With that being said, this is an introductory message, and my aim today is to simply um, whet your appetite to come along this journey with us uh, through what we call 21. The kicking off day t- next week, next Sunday, it was, it was really interesting because all we do is we take Easter. Easter changes every, every year. I don't know if you know this. It's different day, a different Sunday of, of the year. It's not like Christmas, you know. December 25th, it, it changes. And so we take Easter and then we back it up 21 days and then we start 21 on 21 days from Easter. Here's the crazy thing. It just so happens that our 21 begins on the very date, year anniversary of the COVID-19 shutdown of 2020. <laughs> and it does not, there's not coincidence. I'm just telling you, it is not coincidence that it begins on the very date that 2020 uh, March 15th was that Sunday. I remember it very clearly because I preached to an iPhone for four weeks, or, or four months, excuse me, um, that all of that began. And so we're looking at the culmination of that year beginning next weekend as we start 21. I just believe that God has a great work that he's wanting to do in you and in us as a church. And I've been getting this word for our theme for this, this 21 over the next several weeks is Reset. I believe that God is wanting to do a reset in our souls, in our lives, to reset us after kind of this year of, uh, we'll just say craziness, uh, you know, going through all of the things that we've walked through, that this is a time of reset. And as I was thinking about this, um, I couldn't help but think of my devices. And so um, if you've ever um, unboxed an iPhone, it's an amazing experience. I'm telling you, they, they know how to unbox stuff. They know how to just, the packaging is like, <gasps> it's like the birth of a child, right? And it's like, it's all the hope and wonder and all the potential and promise that you would hope. And so you open it up. I mean, it's like pressurized. When you see that, look at that. It's literally, I don't know how they do it. It's, it's, it's a work of art, okay? You open this up and there it is. You take it out, you just, you're so careful, right? When you open it up, it's like, this is beautiful. It's so well-balanced. And the first thing it says is, hello. And then if you speak Spanish, it says, hola. And if you speak Japanese, it says something else, which I think means hello, but it's in completely other language. And then, and then you begin the process of um, personalizing it. That's the first thing you do. What's your name, you know? And then you, you start choosing your preferences and you change your settings and you, you make it your own. And the cool thing is, is that you get to, there's, I mean, it's kind of endless, the, the amount of preferences. You can download all the apps that you think are going to make your life easier. And so you download those. And, but then over time, um, issues start happening. Uh, updates that I think slow it down. I don't know. And uh, you, maybe you drop it and it cracks the screen. Sometimes you don't even care, right? You just look past the crack. You just, you've got phones like this. You just look through the crack. People are like, hi, your, your phone looks horrible. You're like, oh, does it? I don't even notice, right? You just look through it. Um, it's kind of like an abstract piece of art, right? You just, you just take it all in. And then, and then maybe you click on something and you get a virus. And I think sometimes we, um, my, my, my wife's phone actually says that um, she has no more storage left. And so, she, I don't know how, how she does this, but now she literally can't open up email anymore on her phone. She's like, yeah, it doesn't work anymore. Like, I'm like, what? You can't open it? She's like, no, watch. She clicks on it, and then it just goes, mm, no. <laughs> it goes back to the home screen. It's like, oh, no, it's going to, no, it's not. 
It's like, I'm not doing that anymore. Um, I think many times what ends up happening is that we have so many apps open in the background, so many um, tabs open on our browser at the same time that it just glitches, right? It just freezes, and you're like, oh, what's, what's wrong? You try to hold, like, Nintendo. Still doesn't work, you know, because from the 80s, you think everything is fixed by just blowing it, and then that'll fix it. And it doesn't work, I'm just telling you. You're like, oh, I fixed it one time. But it doesn't. And so you, you, you think that this is going to be the thing that does it. And, and you get to the point where the, the geek squad or your eighth grader tells you that you need a hard reset, something called a hard reset. Let me define what a hard reset is. A hard reset is when you restore the device to the state that it was in when it left the factory. Now, this is, this is interesting because what happens in a hard reset, all of the settings, all the preferences, all the information and applications that have been added by the user are removed. And, it's, and, and it, literally the phone is set to factory settings. Now, why in the world would I ever want to do that? I mean, that, it seems like I, I, I lose everything. Like, I, I lose my, my, my pictures, all my text messages. All, you know, I lose all my preference. My home screen's going to be all screwed up, right? Not to mention that I don't know 75% of my passwords, right? You get that place where you're like, you need a new phone. You're like, no, this thing's 12 years old, but it's, literally, if it dies, everything dies. I don't even know how to log into stuff, right? And so you just keep holding on to it because you, 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 don't, you didn't save anything. And so you get to this place where um, all of these things are, are going to be lost if I do a hard reset. So why would I want to do a hard reset? Two reasons. One, um, you, it'll actually get better performance. Because all of a sudden you go back, you're like, ah, oh, that's how it's supposed to work. Oh my gosh, it's so responsive. And the other thing is that it literally frees up storage so that you can do more. You might actually be able to access your email. Um, pretty cool. In essence, a hard reset is putting things back to the way that they were supposed to be before all of this. And I don't know about you, but I think many times I wish that I had a hard reset button in life. For choices, conversations, relationships, life. That we had this moment, this option to be able to just kind of erase things and to go back to the way that things were, but we don't have the benefit of doing that in life. We can't start over, we can't erase our memories, we, there's no mulligan, there's no reset button to begin again. Um, and, yet, and yet Jesus talks about, and throughout Scripture we hear about this, this reset that I, I want to talk to you about today, um, all throughout Scripture, and it comes a little bit differently than a, than a button that we get to push. But we see it in things like Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Catch this, he says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So this is what has been rolling around in me all week. What if the reset that God offers us is not a do-over, where you just erase memory and just start back from the beginning like, like nothing ever happened? But what if God's reset looks a whole lot like choosing to reset your mind? on things above. And that's kind of what, what we're going to talk about today. And, and what I just, I just believe that God is wanting to do in us individually and as a church um, as we move forward through 21 
as we, as we kind of look at these past 12 months and choose, to, I'm going to set my mind, I'm going to set my heart on things above. What if the reset button that you desire begins with what, you, what your mind is set on? Because what your mind is set on is where you end up. What you focus on is what you run after. What, you, what your heart is, is, is focused on is what you, you normally achieve. And this is what Jesus says. In, Paul says this in Romans 8, verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh, catch this, have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Paul is telling us that your reset is based on your mindset. Let me say that again. Your reset is based upon your mindset. So if your mind is set on what the Spirit desires, then God's saying, I can reset your life. If you, if you put your mind set on the things of, of me, then I can reset you. And if you put your mind set on earthly things and fleshly desires, you just might get them. And then you'll find yourself bogged down with too many apps open and just completely glitching out, freezed up, and unwilling to, un, unable to move forward in, in need of a hard reset. And this is, what, this is what he keeps saying time and time again. We see this all throughout Scripture. Third John, verse 2. I love this Scripture. He says this, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. And then he says this, just as your soul prospers. Let me remind you, church, I, as your pastor, like, I want you to prosper. I really do. Like, I want you to prosper in all things. I want, you to be, I want you to be financially blessed. I want you to be in good physical health. I don't want you to get COVID. I, I, I want you to, to be walking in, in divine health. But more than anything, I want your soul to prosper. And, and since we're coming on this year anniversary, and I keep hearing this word of reset and talking about resetting our souls, what I've realized is, is that over these past 12 months, we have spent um, most of these past 12 months very concerned about our physical health. We've taken extreme measures to avoid illness and death. And these things aren't bad. These are good, right? I, I get that. But, but I mean, even right now with the vaccine and things like that that are coming out, this is like reminiscent of Tickle Me Elmo in the mid-90s, you know, I'm just kind of like, you know, I need to get mine, get out of here, you know, Walmart, Tickle Me Elmo, like this, and we get to this place, and th these are good things, you should take care of your health, you should eat right, you should, you should go to the doctors, you, you, should, you should take care of yourself, you should exercise, you should be careful, to try to not get sick or get injured, but, but can I remind you that you are not just a body, trying not to get sick. You're not just a bank account trying not to go in the red. You're not just a simply a mortal human being trying to not die. You're body, soul, and spirit. That's how God made you. And when we focus as a culture on only one of these, it is usually to the detriment of the other two. And so what we're finding over this past year is that, yes, we've been trying to stop the curve and to stay safe physically, and yet our mental, physical, emotional, our soul and spirit are suffering in the midst of it. 
And we see this with suicide and drug overdoses and, and abuse and neglect and all of these things that are happening in the midst of all of this attempt to not die. The great William Wallace from Braveheart said this, the great theologian, he said, every man dies, but not every man really lives. But not everyone really lives. Is your soul prospering? Is your soul prospering? This is what, this is what 3 John verse 2, he says, like, I, want you, I want you to prosper in all things just as your soul prospers. Matthew chapter 16, verse 26 says, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or, or, can anyone, what, or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And I always thought, like, this is such a strange, like, question. What do you mean, like, I don't ever, I don't ever trade my soul for stuff. We don't, we don't say that type of thing. Like, we'd never admit, like, I traded my soul to the devil. Like, I traded my soul for riches. I traded my soul for popularity. I traded my soul for, for this or for that. We don't necessarily see it that way or understand it. But what Jesus is saying is that you may not realize it, but you may be actually forfeiting your soul to whatever you have your heart set on. And that's why when we talk about this reset, that it's not this, oh God, this reset button, it's choosing to reset our eyes, to reset our mind, to reset our heart, our focus on things above. Because if we don't do that, then it's a slow fade. And you don't necessarily see it. You don't necessarily feel it. Nobody sets out to be like, I'm planning on having 50 tabs open on my web browser so that it literally just shuts down. Nobody sets out with a plan of like, you know what, I'm, I'm planning, this new phone is beautiful, I'm going to give it a month and I'm going to download every stinking app I can, I'm going I'm to bog this thing down and it's going to be a glitch fest in a month, right? Nobody, nobody plans on that, but you end up there, don't you? You get in, the, you get in that place, like nobody plans, like I, I'm, I'm planning to, to, to just kind of walk in anxiety, fear and depression, like nobody plans that. But if we're not careful and we don't have these moments of reset, then, then we don't realize that we've been robbed, that we've been pickpocketed along the way, that we have forfeited our soul in the process of setting our hearts on things of this world. And when we don't do this, when we don't take these moments, these, these holy moments to say, God, I, I hear you calling and I'm choosing to reset, then, then we end up seeing dysfunction as normal. We end up seeing busyness as prosperous. And we end up seeing not dying as truly living. How's your soul? How's your soul? Because if we take our cues from our culture right now, I'm just going to tell you, it will tell you that your soul will prosper if you would just focus more on yourself. You do, you, you need to focus on you. You, you, need to, you need to get more of you. But, but here's, here's the problem that I keep running into is my Bible doesn't say that. My Bible, in fact, my Bible actually says that my soul prospers when I take my eyes off of myself, when I take my eyes off of what my flesh desires and to reset my eyes on what the Spirit desires. My Bible keeps telling me, and I wish I could get away from it, but it keeps telling me that, that actually focusing on self is opposite to focusing on God. I want them to be synonymous. You know, God wants me to be happy and that's his end goal. Actually, that's not in the Bible either. 
He's literally continually reminding me, do you find yourself weary? Do you find yourself tired? Do you find yourself just strung out? Get away with me. Take your eyes off of yourself. Take your eyes off of your fleshly desires and reset them on what the Spirit desires and you will find rest for your souls. It it, it goes completely against what we kind of know to be true in our culture, that we are called to do what few people do if we want to get what few people get. If you want what everybody else is getting, well, then go ahead and do what everybody else is doing. But if you want what few people have and you're like, man, there's something different about you, then you've got to be able to do what few people do, which means we do things, we walk in things that, that, that maybe seem weird or like, like a five-day fast, really, Pastor Justin? Like I'm not eating? Like what does that even mean? I, that sounds horrible. Why would God ever want me to do that? Well, because he actually thinks that we need to sometimes say no to ourselves to say yes to him. I think that sometimes we think that when we, when we talk about like, well, I just need to have some self-restraint, it means that I just need to say no to all of the sin in my life. I think, I think self-restraint in its purest form is a consistent yes to God. I think just say, say yes to, to, to me. I want to consider this question as we head into 21, and it's this question, I've said it a few times, is this, how is your soul? I'm not talking about COVID-19. I'm not talking about politics. I'm not talking about all the things that consume your mind. I'm not talking about all the things that you're enraged about in our culture. How's your soul doing? Is your soul prospering? Do you need to reset your soul to factory settings? Now, in order order to do a hard reset, you have to kind of know what factory settings even look like, don't you? I mean, sometimes you do a factory reset and you're like, oh my gosh, my, that's what my phone did. when they, I remember that years ago. Yes, it was so easy. This, oh, wow, I, I look back on this. Jeremiah 6.16, I love this scripture. It says this, this is what the Lord says. Factory settings. Stand at the crossroad and look. Ask for the ancient path. Ask where the good way is and walk in that. And you will find rest, reset for your souls. So what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks as we go through 21 is we're going to be going back to some ancient paths. We're going to be talking about going back to some of the basics, the factory settings, so to speak, the ancient paths, the good way. We're going to be talking about things like prayer. We're going to be talking about things like fasting. We're going to be talking about some of the disciplines of the Christian life, some of the things that have been reset buttons in Christian's life for centuries and say, God, I, I, I'm going to ask for the good way, the ancient path, and I'm going to choose to walk in it. And so what I'm going to be asking you today, today, before you leave here today, is just say, you know what, I'm going to commit to giving these 21 days to, to just, Lord, whatever you want to reset in me, I want rest for my soul. It isn't prospering. God, I want you to be able to reset my mind, my heart, my focus again on you, and take my eyes off of what my flesh desires. In Luke chapter 10, there's this story, and we, we've, we've read this before. It's the story of Mary and Martha. And uh, the story goes like this. Martha uh, invites Jesus over to dinner, and she's busy making Jesus dinner. And we, we, we've read this before. Um, and what we find in verse 40, it says this, Martha was distracted with much serving. So she's busy. She's cooking up stuff, right? And she approached him, and look at what she says to Jesus. Lord, do you not care that my lazy sister, I added lazy, but it's so true, 
that my lazy sister has, has left me to serve alone. And then she tells Jesus what to do. Therefore, Jesus, tell her to help me. I mean, she's, she's pretty, I mean, it's pretty serious, right? And, and I love it it's so crazy because Jesus pretty much says, no. No. I mean, she's like wagging her finger and he, he's like, I don't think so. We read it in verse 41. It says, Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, 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 Martha. You're worried and troubled about many things. I think what Jesus is saying to her is this. How's your soul, Martha? How's your soul? I mean, Martha, I know Mary should probably be helping you out, right? I mean, it's Mary, but, but can we not talk about Mary right now? Because this isn't about Mary. This is about you. How is your soul, Martha? Is your soul prospering right now? Oh, it'll prosper. <laughs> it'll prosper if she gets her lace. Uh, you, know, you know what I mean? Like, no, 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 Mar- Martha, don't make this about Mary. This is about you right now. Our, how is your soul and verse 42, he says, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part. That's another, that, that word again, good. Look for the good way. Ask for the good part, which will not be taken away from her. Jesus is saying there's one thing that's essential in life, and Mary's chosen it, and I'm not taking it away from her. I don't even care. No. I'm not going to take this away from her. And Jesus is saying that this is the most important thing. And, and if, I'm, if I'm like Martha, and many times I am, um, I would be thinking, what is she doing? What did she choose? Because it seems like she just chose laziness. I don't see her doing or choosing anything, right? But please don't miss that, that literally Jesus is actually making a comparison here. And I don't like it, and I'm pretty offended by it, actually. Mar- he's like literally saying, Martha, you're choosing to be anxious and troubled about many things. <laughs> Okay, then fine. You make your own dinner, Jesus, right? Here's some bread and some fish. You multiply it there, brah, right? Fine, right? If I'm Martha, I'm like, get yeah, out. I'll show you, right? You just make your own dinner, right? I'm going to make you dinner. And he's like, you're choosing this. You're choosing to be anxious and troubled about many things. And then he looks at Martha and he says, you're choosing... The one a thing that's essential in life, sitting and listening at my feet. And, and, and I'm offended by it because I, I don't like the fact that it seems like Jesus is insinuating that responsibility and taking care of business and cooking dinner is being worried and troubled about many things. That's immediately what comes to me. But I think that Jesus is actually taking a moment in time, just pausing I love how he does this and hate how he does this. In the the midst of normal life, in the midst of cooking and cleaning and housekeeping and laundry and working and preparing and putting food on the table to teach us how to reset our soul. He actually calls this reset. He actually uses this word, the good part. He's like, Mary's chosen the good part. And I I just want to bring this back again. Jeremiah 6.16, I was reading it this week. Like, we're to ask for the good way. He's like, don't miss the good part. 
Follow the good way. Ask the good way. Follow the ancient path. And then you will find rest for your soul. This is what he says time and time again. And, and I would say that even good things that are disconnected from the good way can actually um, pull us away from Jesus. And, and, and when we, we can actually start to resent people and even God. When we start to do good works and good things apart from the good part. And you can get to this place, and maybe you've ever been there. You've ever been to the place where you feel like you're the only one that's doing all the work? <laughs> I'm sure none of you have ever felt that way. Like, you're the only one that ever does this. You're the only one. Maybe it's like, a, you know, at home, in your marriage, in your work, you're just like, I am the only one. And you start looking around, you realize there's a lot of lazy people around me. You ever felt that way? No, none of you. Just one, one honest, one honest woman. Thank you. Two, three honest people in here. Here's, and you start realizing then the whole 80-20 principle, where it's like 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And you're just like, yeah, it's so true, because I'm the only one that's doing Do you know I've never met anybody that's like, I'm the 80%. I'm the lazy bum. I'm Mary. I don't do anything, right? I just wait around, and the 20% of the people do all the work for me. I've never met anybody, because we all feel like in some area of life, we are the 20% doing 80% of the work. We're always in that place. Like, no, I... I get this, and, and then we end up getting frustrated by all the lazy people around us, and what, what started out as, ah, I just want to be able to serve God, and I, I'm putting in these, this time, and I'm volunteering, and I'm just, I love the opportunity that I get. We start to actually resent, and the things that used to bring us rest now bring us angst because we're doing good work but disconnected from the good part. How's your soul? How's your soul? And so what we're going to be doing over 21 is, is finding the good way, the ancient path, the, the good part. Because the good part doesn't come from serving and giving and attending and doing. It, it flows out of that, but it is not that. Those are good things to do, but don't confuse good things with the good part. And so I want to just encourage you, will you join me in resetting as we head into 21 to factory settings. Would you join me and join us in choosing the good part? Would you say like, maybe, maybe, maybe you just make a decision today that it's like, you know what, I, maybe I'm new here, maybe I've, I've been around here forever, but I'm, I just know that there are areas in my own soul that need to be reset, and Jesus, I want you to do that in me. I believe that God has something for us in and through this, these, these 21 days that are the precipice of, of moving forward, and I don't want it to just be a one person here and two people here. I really want to say like, that we are moving together as a church family, moving in one in step in the same direction together so that God can do what only he can do in us, in our families, in our marriages, and in our church. I think he has huge plans for us, and I'm excited about it. Would you stand with me? We're going we're gonna to end with, with a worship song here. And... Um, there's, there's this scripture in Hebrews chapter 12. When we talk about the need for a hard reset, I, I, it's almost like a, like a recipe for a hard reset. You know, you know, press volume down and the side button for three seconds and then, you know, go here, click on this. This is what he says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, the first thing he says, let us throw off. Throw 
off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. First step, throw off the sin that is entangling you. Do you know that if you have sin in your life, you have to hate it before you get rid of it? Like, you literally got to come to the point where, like, I love Jesus more than I love my sin. And so because it's not just entangling me, it's not just hindering my walk, it's actually destroying me. I hate it so much that I'm going to get rid of it. And Jesus, I love you so much that I'm willing to, to get rid of that thing that is getting in the way of my, of my walk. Why? He says this. He continues. And let us run. Once you're un, un, unentangled, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. In other words, he's like, follow the good way. Ask for the good path. Walk the ancient paths. But he says, don't miss the good part. Verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Keep your eyes. Reset your eyes. Reset your heart. Reset your mind. Reset yourself, your focus on Jesus. Why? Verse 3, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. And then he says this, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. How's your soul? Would you join us? Would you come to this place of saying, like, I, I'm choosing this day to walk in what it is that you have for me. I don't know what that even looks like. I've never fasted before. I don't normally go to nights of worship. I don't normally take part and in, in say, I don't normally do these things, but, but I'm just asking you, would you choose to do what few people do to, in order to get what few people get? And so as we sing today, Maybe you just get into a posture of saying, Jesus, I need, some, I need some want to. I need a good case of I want to want to, but I don't want to. My flesh is crying out saying, heck no. But my spirit and my soul is crying out that I need to reset. And so, Lord, I pray that even as we sing today, Maybe you get in the place and maybe just between you and God, you raise a hand and just say, Jesus, I hear you and I'm willing to walk in obedience to you to see the adventure that you have for me, for my marriage, for my work, for my life as we choose to reset in you. Let's worship him together as we do that.